what I decided to do, um, I, I, I decided that, you know, I'll prepare everything, because whatever you guys want to talk about. So um, I said I'll prepare one class on, on, on parenting, one class on, on marriage, and one class on relationships, and then one on every other sub- subject. Do we do the bar show? Well, we could do, but we do one that's more, uh, that's more textual. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so. Let me sit down, sit down, sit down. I, I have, obviously, I have some restless leg syndrome, and if I sit oh, down, oh, yeah, fine. I had to take my pill earlier, and if I, if I sit down, my leg goes crazy, and I go, I, it drives me nuts. It's weird. So, um, <laughs> that's fine. So, yeah. So, you'll last very long in the yeshiva, by the way. Yeah, I can fact, just stand all day, I'm good. <laughs> so, um. I wanted to talk about um, something maybe which would encompass all of those subjects and also incorporate the, uh, the I don't know, the Parsha or a, f- a re- recent Parsha. So um, we're, the Torah, like, so you pointed out that you have, the, you have the Tanakh there, the Jewish Bible. Yeah. That has how many books in the Jewish Bible? Five. Hello. No. In the oh, Torah, the Torah has five. Oh, you got the kings and the. You got a book of kings. Okay, you right got there. the psalms. You got psalms. And then you got the books. So you say seven. So we know that there's five books in the Torah, right? Bereshit, Shemot, right? right? Genesis. Thirteen psalms, right? Thirteen kings. <laughs> okay, so these are all guesses, I assume, right? There's a hundred. Okay, so there's 24 books in the Jewish canon. 24 books. Um, now. The first five of them are what comprise the Torah, right? The five books of Moses. Uh, those are Genesis, obviously, uh, Exodus. You know, see the movie coming out. <laughs> um, a student of mine is like, "Are you are you going to see the movie? I see all these previews. I don't know. <clears throat> Just send me the reviews and the feedback." Because because most people, well, maybe it's very long. I think it's probably an epic. But uh, most people like with the uh, Ten Commandments, the Exodus. Um, it had nothing to do with, with the book. It was with the boat Exodus going to Israel in 1946. After oh, the, uh, Exodus from Leon Yeah, Leon yes, That was really that good. Exodus, yeah. Six hours. Yeah. Yeah. So um, most people, like most most Jews today, know more about um, the Ten Commandments, the film, than what it actually says in the book in, in Exodus. Um, 1956. Charlton Hebrew is all the whole movie. Yeah, it's too long. Charlton Heston, that's right. Um, so we that's have five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then we have all the other books. We have the books of Joshua and Judges and Kings. Someone mentioned the book of Samuel. Um, Solomon. Well, Solomon is in the book. Of, you'll find him in the book of Samuel, the book of Kings. Uh, primarily the book of Kings. Um, all these other books. Some more people joining us here. Uh. Hello. 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 How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Fantastic. Good to see you. I'm sorry to interrupt. To say hi. So, so if we have 24 books in the canon. Um, anyone knows by any chance when these 24 books? Who like who decided what books are included, what books are not included? Anyone has any idea? Random house. Random house. <laughs> so we have 24 books, but we have books that were not included. right? For example, there's books like we were about to approach the holiday of Hanukkah. And there was a Jewish book written by contemporaries of the, of the story called the Book of Maccabees. Is that right? 
And that is that part of the Jewish uh, Bible? No. It's not. So why not? Why was one book included, one book not included? Interesting, huh? So the answer is, is that the, uh, there was an assembly of, of scholars uh, in the 4th century before the Common Era called the Men of the Great Assembly. It was a 120-member body that existed for about 110 years. Uh, in fact, the modern-day Knesset in Israel, I don't know if you know the Knesset, the legislative body in Israel, com- is comprised of 120 Knesset members because it's modeled after this... Uh, this group, this body that was just in the fourth in the fourth century before the Common Era, uh, the big names that you guys might know are Ezra, famous Ezra, Ezra the scribe. I don't know that name. Yeah, he wrote the whole thing. Wow! I would say he wrote the whole thing. Yeah, but he, he decided. So exactly. So he's part of this group that decided which books are included, which books are not included. So anything that came subsequently, like two hundred years later, we have the story of Hanukkah, and we have the subsequent book of that story with the book of the Maccabees, that's not included because it came post facto. The last book to be included, incidentally, is the book of Esther. Because the story of, of, of Esther and Purim happened in between the first and second temple. So we're talking about, about the year 360 before the Common Era, roughly 15 years before the convention of these, of these assembly of rabbis. Hence, it was the last book to be included because it, was, it happened right, right, right before. So we have these 24 books. Now, we also have... Uh, part of what uh, of of the corpus or not the corpus or or the the, the philosophy or the uh, the practice of, of of what we have as Jews not just the books we also have commandments the mitzvot so and the where the mitzvot come from where do they come from some come literally from yeah from God, from God. <laughs> from, from, from God as manifest as written in in the, in the Torah. Torah in the five well, books the and then you have written the oral and the rabbinical. Well, okay, so fine. So how many of the mitzvahs are written in the five books and how many are written in, in the other 19? Anyone knows? 613 is written in the five books. And how many, how many mitzvahs are included in the, other, in the other 19 books of the Bible? That's right. There's none. Yeah, because right. you can't add or delete, right? Well, I'm saying we have seven rabbinic mitzvahs. But uh, but of the six thirteen Torah mitzvahs that are that are based in, 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 in the books that are written down, all of them are the Torah. Which one are the seven? Um, the list. Uh, one of them is Hanukkah. So light Hanukkah candles. Okay. We, uh, to light Shabbat candles as well. To read the Megillah on, on Esther. I believe the mitzvah of, of one of the Eruvs. Um, I, I have this list. It's, it's okay, funny because yeah. someone someone recently That's asked me that same question. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't remember. And then if I would have checked it up after I spoke to him, I would have had the answer like that. You'd be impressed. <laughs> Seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, the one when someone told me when you talk about rabbinic law and rabbinic, the vast majority of those are not their own mitzvahs, but rather they're safeguards for existing mitzvahs. Right. So the classic example is if the Torah tells us on Shabbat we 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 can't write on Shabbat. It's one of the prohibited acts on Shabbat. Well, the rabbis come along and they say, don't lift a pen. Because lifting a pen may bring about, uh, may bring about uh, encroaching on the Torahitic mitzvah of, of, of not writing. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of what, uh, the, when the rabbis are instructed in the Torah to make fences around the Torah, asum mishmeret mishmarti, make a fence around the Torah, it means to make some sort of, uh, of, of prevention or some sort of uh, safety uh, measure to ensure that the Torah, the Torah mitzvahs themselves are a, being fulfilled and the uh, prohibitions are not being transgressed. Or how to I mean, specifically fulfill, for example, the, the mezuzah. The mezuzah, yeah. In the Torah, it says just you know, paint it in your 
Thor and whatever, but he doesn't say it has to be linked. The Torah doesn't give us the details. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. So what's so let's do with the, there are a few very good examples about that where yeah. we have the Torah tells us about an idea, but it doesn't give us the details. Like for example, um, we have uh, kosher meat. So everyone here familiar? Kosher it doesn't say Well, it says in the Torah. In, what kind of animal? In Deuteronomy chapter twelve, verse twenty-one. Kill how you showed me. Ha, exactly. Showed you, right, you guys yeah. are good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really good. You're ahead of the game. Well, you say you want us engaged. Yeah. I, that's, I, that's exactly what I meant. I'm happy. I got to raise the bar, you know. <laughs> so, um, and there's another place this you probably don't know, uh, where it talks. I don't know uh, anything. No, because I'm, I, you know, I know feeling you. Need to feel that you guys are so smart. Yeah, really? <laughs> you know every example where it's a, the Torah indicates another another. This another, is another read the Torah. Then yeah. really be so there's best. another place. There's another place in, in in. There's another mitzvah in the Torah. And in fact, this is one of the mitzvahs that uh, when I went to rabbi school, they said, "Listen, there's some things that we don't talk about, right? and then there's some things that we really, really, really don't talk about, and then there's this, and this mitzvah in the Torah." It says specifically, I was curious to know what it is, right? Yes. Okay, if you're well behaved. <laughs> we don't talk about it, but he's going to talk about it real Do we quick. need to know the handshake? Are, are we strong enough? Are we strong enough? Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, what do we have to lose, right? You know that uh, my, my brother always says, he says, listen, there's something I don't talk about. I don't, I don't talk about the Holocaust. I don't talk about the homosexuality. Uh, that's, that's what he says. And I, I, I talk about everything. Um, that's always preface my, my, whenever I talk about the Holocaust. Like, my brother doesn't talk about it, but I will. But the other mitzvah that it talks about um, is a very bizarre instruction we get um, a few times, primarily in the middle of Exodus. We get an instruction to obliterate an entire nation, yep. man, woman, child, and even animal. And that's the nation of Amalek. 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 Uh, very bizarre. It's, it's, uh, it's the kind... Yeah, well, Solomon screwed up by not doing it, right? Solomon's... Yeah, uh, not, Solomon, yeah. not Solomon, I apologize. Saul. Saul. The Saul. King Saul screwed Saul. up big time, and that's why he lost his, uh, his, his kingship. That's correct. Uh, so with, uh, he, he didn't kill the animals, and he didn't kill the king Agag, and eventually that brought about uh, Haman, and we could uh, safely assume, and I'm willing to bet almost everything, Hitler. that Hitler, Hitler is a... Hitler, yeah. Hitler, and, and, and the idea is it's, it's the epitome of, 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 of evil. It's not... It's, it's not evil that can be reasoned with, and it's just and it's bent a uh, hell bent on destroying the Jews, uh, hook or crook, hell or high water. Uh, so it says over there when it gives uh, it gives um, the instruction to uh, uh, decimate, to destroy, to obliterate, to uh, wipe off the face of the earth any remnant of these of these people. It says um, the mighty instructs Moses, write this in a book, and place in the ears of Joshua. So obviously, it's clearly evident in the text that uh, while elements of it were written in the book, right? so write this in a book, but other elements of the mitzvah were transmitted orally. So that's another example that you can have in your arsenal where it says, where the Torah clearly itself, the written Torah itself, indicates that there's some other um, oral element to, it, uh, to the instruction as well. So, so we have the Torah, we have lots of mitzvahs, uh, we have uh, the rabbis and the Talmud and the old Torah tells how to do it. Um, and clearly, I think what you make the safe argument is that God, God's pretty reasonable, right? You know, and, and well... That's debatable. That, well, yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> um, but, but clearly, everything is possible. Or the argument has to be that everything that is required of us is possible. Everything that is required of us is, is at least possible to achieve.
Now it might be difficult. No one's going to argue. No one's going to say that it's that it's very easy uh, to observe all mitzvahs and whatever, fulfill like kind of live live the life that God's outlining for us in the Torah. But it's it's possible. Now that uh, that premise I think is challenged by three mitzvahs that were commanded in the Torah. That's what I want to talk about tonight. There's three times in the Torah when we, uh, as adherents to this doctrine, we are required to love. Number one, Leviticus 19. Thou shalt love your fellow as yourself. Exactly. Um, and that's a very, very famous verse because it was plagiarized by other religions. Um, and it was the, it's, the, it's the rallying cry of another religion. Um, and, but it's originally in the Torah, Leviticus chapter 19. After Afrika Mocha, Ani Hashem, right? Um, uh, it, there's actually a beginning to the Pasuk. The verse actually starts, don't take revenge. Um, and then it says, you should love your fellows yourself. Uh, I am God. So that's the one time the Torah we're commanded to love. So it means that everyone that you meet, everyone you encounter, you have to love them. Now the question that you're always asked, oh, wait a minute, what if someone's really, really, really bad? Do, do we love Hitler? Oh, yeah. That's a question that we get all the time. And the answer is no. We're talking about every, every people that are... You know, regular people, people like you and me, good people. Love him. Love people. Yeah, you still a... love him as you bash him with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. So, so that's the first time in the Torah. Anyone knows the other two times that we're commanded to, to love uh, in the Torah? Anyone knows? Love the Lord thy God with all Booyah. your heart, with all your might, and all everything else. Wow. Shema. Shema. That's in the Shema. It's another very, very famous verse. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. <laughs> You shall love uh, the Almighty your God with all your hearts, mm-hmm. with all your uh, with all your soul, and with all your resources. And it says hearts, and why does it say hearts? It should have said with all your heart. How many hearts do you have? You have well, multiple ventricles, but only one heart. So what's what's that referring to? So the rabbis in the Talmud tell us well, the it's with referring to with both your inclinations. The heart uh, is the inclination as well. So you have to love God not only with your good inclination, but with your bad inclination. The inclination that's trying to compel us to sin, that we have to love God with that. And what does that mean? And how do you love God with that? Oh, that's that's that, that's a, a discussion. But huh? How do you love God? Exactly. That's exactly. So the, so the Gemara says, the Talmud says uh, that uh, this is in chat in tractate uh, Brachot, which is the very first book of the sixty-three books of the Talmud. The very first one. You got it? You got a copy? I thought I did, but I did not. Brachot. It talks about, anyone knows what it talks about? Brachot. Blessings. Blessings, exactly. So um, it also talks about prayer, various elements of prayers, and it's it's analyzing the Shema. And it says, Vahafta Hashem, you should love Hashem your God. Bechol Levavcha. So why is it it should have said, if we know Hebrew, if or something like that would be more proper if it was just one one heart. So it says, "Bishnei Yitzarecha" with your both with both your Yitzarim, both your inclinations, your positive and your negative inclination. That's what it says. So that's an additional time in the Torah we're required to to love to love God. Obviously, it's somewhat different than to love a fellow, but we're required to love God. Anyone knows the last time in the Torah that it says what we're required to love? Anyone has any any idea? Any guess? Book. <laughs> it's in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Well, we didn't talk about enemies specifically. Um, no, oh, but it's... But it's Booyah! <laughs> what are you saying? Good job! Um, whoever that converts. Convert. Ah. Right, so it says in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter... 
chapter, I believe it's chapter 10, it says, thou shall, you or you shall love the, uh, the convert, because you yourself, you were, you were a stranger, exactly. Um, I'm trying to find it. It's too bad that's not normally practiced. You think it's not practiced? No. What do you mean? Hmm? What do you mean? Love a convert? No, I don't Okay, I'm not finding it here, but it's got to be here somewhere. The religious stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think hosting doesn't more rich? <laughs> Maybe rich? Uh, so well, in even... general, uh, it's not... Here we go. I am right. Sorry. <laughs> it's uh, ch- uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 19. Um, by the way, anyone knows where the origin of the chapters and verses are in the Torah? Oh, these are non-Jewish. Not Jewish. It's not Jewish. I think it's from the Christians. The Christians came and they said, we're going to give order. We're going to make the book of Kings, King 1 and King 2, Samuel 1, Samuel 2, and chapters and verse numbers and everything like that. It's not, it's not actually... No, they don't even line on them. What they sentence? don't line up even, in, even between the two. What do you mean? They don't line up. So there, it could be a verse. Uh, they'll say verse thirty-two <coughs> in theirs, but here in this yeah, one, so, it could be verse thirty-four. Uh, yeah. So, but if, but it's still. I'm saying well, even what we have today. So there may right, have been right, some right. divergence in in the actual verses. But this is not of. It's funny because my my grandfather was a great sage and author, or whatever. And he never used to, whenever he used to quote a verse, he wouldn't he wouldn't give you the Christian. Um, chapter and verse number. He would actually say instead. No, no. He would say, let's say. Uh, <laughs> he would say, <coughs> excuse me, Ekev, which is the name of the parsha, Chamishi, which is the fifth, uh, the fifth portion that's read. Uh, See, so it's, it's interesting. It's, I guess, I don't know. It's, but it's been adopted. It's been widely adopted. Um, either way, so we have this this turn. So, 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 so someone made a claim that some people don't observe it. And uh, my response to that is that um, if people don't observe it, uh, then they're not observing part of the Torah. It's the kind of it's the kind of thing is, you know, what do you call an observant Jew who eats pork on Yom Kippur? Not observing Jew. Well, he's not. He's not fully observant, yeah. right? Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they um, what they what they write on their Facebook religious thing, or uh, how they label themselves. What it means is actually, um, if they claim to be observant, then they're claiming not 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 part of a group, but rather part of a behavior. But I think the nuances will come from what you call a convert. Right? That's where the problem would start. Everybody would say yes. I would. I, I love a convert, but different people would say what. Oh, oh, you're saying you're 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 saying the the whole the the debate as to yeah yeah. So that's so that's so that's a it's a huge issue. Um, it's it's a problem. It's and I don't think um, um, I I know in Israel they have it much easier because there everything is united under one umbrella. Like the rabbinate is just they they. Um, they they make all these decisions, so therefore there's no uh, there's no questioning of, of 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 marriages or divorce or all the all the uh, the religious element to to civil life, uh, conversions, marriages, divorces, etc. Those are all overseen by one umbrella organization, and while it has its flaws, obviously um, there's a certain benefit when there's uniformity. Uh, but you know, like you you know, you point out that. Um, 
like today we don't like talking about factionalism but or a different sects within within our nation because we're like a family and like there's no there shouldn't be politics in, fa- in family right um, and we are very particular <laughs> oh uh, yeah um, uh, but unfortunately uh, you'll have sometimes where people oh this this conversion or that conversion what they require what that require and that that creates a problem yeah. um, but yeah um, that, that's a problem uh, e- either way this commandment is referring to um, uh, loving a dare whatever that means um, it can mean I think a foreigner as well because if you notice the way the Hebrew um, the Hebrew is written you should love the ger, because because you were foreigners. The idea being, uh, even though they could mean different things, one can mean a convert, one can mean an outsider or a foreigner. The idea being that you yourself once experienced the, what's what's it like to be the outsider. You were in Egypt and you didn't know the language and you experienced some xenophobia and you had to encounter what you know immigrants have to encounter. You don't you don't know you don't know exactly what to do and the protocol and you don't know how to drive left on the street, right? Uh, so um, so you once experienced that and therefore it's important for you to um, to you know to be sensitive to the to, you know to to someone who uh, is also a newcomer, whether it means in the religious sense or just someone you know first day in school, new kid, or someone new to the neighborhood or whatever. Uh, so that's the third time the Torah we're commanded to have love, and good job there, Ben, to pull that out. Um, now, there's a few problems. Uh, problem number one, uh, I think problem I think probably the first problem we'll say is that hey, if we're commanded to love everyone. Um, why is there a need to say you're commanded to love the convert? Is that a fair question? If the convert were to fall in under the category of your fellow, well, then it's already included in Leviticus. So why do we have to have a separate commandment to tell us to love the convert? Where did the conversion process come from? I know, like, Ruth, right? Was from, the first... from what was done at Mount Sinai. <coughs> the whole process of, of, of the giving of the Torah and everything that they had to go through for the giving of the Torah was part of the conversion process. The, the, conversion back, process the, the conversion process today is different than back then. No, it so is, but that's where they got it from. Is, uh, okay, is so um, so what you're quoting, it, Tom is quoting, is the, is, um, uh, the source that's brought down in, in the Talmud um, very nicely in Maimonides. In, I believe it's chapter 13 of Isurei Bia, which is in the book of Nashim. Uh, and there it says, it, he makes the comparison between how the Jews became Jews at Mount Sinai and how Jews or non-Jews today, if they make the decision to, to join the tribe, they would have to follow the same kind of procedure. So it says, for a um, if someone decides they don't become Jewish, they want to uh, it's very beautiful. My mind, he's, oh, he, was, he, he had such a way with words. So, um, and, and someone wants to uh, be uh, enveloped under the, uh, uh, under the wings of, of the Almighty. Uh, so someone makes a decision to join the nation and to, and to be a Jew. Uh, then he has to do, um, uh, they have to do four things. At, uh, uh, at, uh, uh, male had to, males have to do four things. Uh, at uh, at Sinai, um, those four things were number one. No, what's that? Uh, certainly not. The the guy for the perplexed. No, that that would not. It would not be. It would be um, Mishnah Torah. 
Oh, okay, I have that too. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the book is called. Yeah, the book no, is called. I want to put these things. The in. book is called Nashim, which means uh, laws of, of women. So it talks about marriage and divorce and um, and it talks, and this is in. You have it. You don't have that have that particular book. one. You have what? Uh, I have the book within the book. I have. Uh, okay. Carbonot. Well, that wouldn't be. That's not one of it. It's not the one we're looking for. There's four. There's four. You, you don't have that shame for dummies. Um, so there's so there's fourteen books. That's why it's called also the Yad Hazak. Either way, so he says he says four things. There's four qualifications that they had to do at Mount, at Mount Sinai. Number one, that they accept upon themselves. Um, what it means to be a Jew, so all responsibilities, all requirements to join the mission, so to speak. That's number one. Number two, they had to have a circumcision. Uh, number three, they had to bring a sacrifice. And number four, they had to go to a mikvah, to a ritual bath. Those are the four things. And women would have all those three, son one. And we don't do a circumcision for women. We don't do, we don't do a circumcision for women. Um, uh, so... And then Maimonides says the next the next particular line is that uh, and even today what, without the temple we don't have sacrifices that whole part of Jewish life is not is is, is that we don't have it anymore uh, so we have just all the three besides that someone's become Jewish um, they um, have to uh, accept upon themselves have that desire to do it they have to uh, have uh, the circumcision and the uh, immersion in the mikvah so number one. How do you describe that for detail? I'm sorry? How do you describe the first one for detail? The desire to... Yes, so um, so the Talmud, the Talmud spends a lot of time talking about that. The Talmud says that if someone, <clears throat> if someone decides that they will accept upon themselves the Torah, but not besides for this particular section or that particular section, that's not good. That's accept the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have an opportunity to read it first? Well, it's like Obama. You, you, you didn't do, read it exactly. You do then you understand. Yeah. You do then you understand. Uh, well. I mean, are they agreeing to something before they know what it is? Um, we didn't. So, yeah, I'm I saying mean, this is. We classical <laughs> Jewish lawyer move. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> a good question. Uh, and the answer to the question is that it's a little more complex because if you actually look at the verses, one place it says we shall listen and then we shall do. Another place says we shall do and then we shall listen. One says nishma v'nasa, one says nashma nishma. It seems like there were multiple uh, acceptances. Um, and yes, it is very bizarre that a nation or a religion that prides itself on basing everything on intelligence and rational thought, and and everything could be explained, everything is understood. We're not, we don't have any leaps of faith, and you know everything is based upon, um, um, you know, intelligence. Yet there's a certain element of diving into it because there's a certain point in time where we're limited. You know, that's why so many become became attorneys because they got screwed. <laughs> they won. <laughs> they didn't read the contract. That's right. That's right. So, um, it's not so yes, so uh, the details of, of number one, that is the big debate. That's at the core of the big debate. Um, uh, so yes, there's a lot of um, literature. If you want to read about it in, in the sources, I would advise you to read um, in the Talmud. 
there's a bunch of pages in the Talmud talking about it, the, the process. Well, the most widely accepted view is we'll first do and then we'll understand, right? That's well, what's actually done today um, no, I know uh, is reform, that... So, I mean, they're different, right? They're reform. I, I, well, I, I've never done a conversion myself. Um, okay. No, but they, they accept it. So I, I don't know what they do exactly. In, in, not just conversion as a, as a Jew. Uh-huh. That's the order, right? That is, well, accepted uh, as No, as a, for conversion, yeah. No, 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 no. As a Jew, right? You do and then you understand. You, you, you can oh, you're saying as a Jew? Well, as a Jew, you, there's, no, there's, no, there's no way out. That's, that's, you know. Yeah, exactly. You could be baptized a hundred times. Like you may you may get wet, but you'll still be Jewish. Exactly. Like no, yeah. the Sabbath. I mean the, the yeah, so, and then you understand it. Or, or kashrut. Then you why begin to understand why? And then you try yeah, to so that's why. so. But that, but I believe that that's an outlier. Um, I agree with you a thousand percent. What did you Oops, say? you're right. Oh, baby, okay. <laughs> um, I I agree with you a thousand percent that there are certain mitzvahs that in order to understand them, you have to experience them first. Uh, Shabbat would be an example of that, but I believe that's an outlier. I think most of them, most of the myths we can understand. Um, I, we can explain. I can explain to you right now. It means some things. Cooking, cooking, cooking. Yeah, you're right. Turkeys. Cooking. Yes. You actually, there's no way you can understand. Yes, but you could also understand that your intelligence is not. Right, equal yeah. to God it means it made it, I can I can explain it to you I can explain to you that you don't understand it and that's okay <laughs> right, right? No, but it, but but we understand that hey if God exists there's a very good likelihood that He is vastly more intelligent than we are right is that right yeah of yeah. course he, right? he said well I'm no, saying no, but in the art right, of course of course He exists I of course but the argument would be is that. Um, if the answer is yes, but um, yeah, in, in the argument means uh, if we're going to present the argument, uh, um, what that would entail. So if we're going to believe in God, we're clearly going to we're going to understand that He is vastly more intelligent than us, and therefore sure. it's very easy for us to uh, to accept that. Okay, this is the mitzvah that God understands, and we don't. Correct. That's fine. Um, so, but I, I think the majority of mitzvahs will say. Uh, that uh, that we can understand them before we do them, or understand at least um, uh, to a degree. We don't have to actually practice them to understand them. Uh, I suppose the Shabbos would be a, an exception. Either way, we worry. So conversions that we were talking about. So the convert. Back to back to the uh, back to the text at hand. So we have three mitzvahs, and the question would be: Hey, if someone's included in love, everyone, well, that everyone is inclusive. Doesn't what say. What is the word that they're using for your fellow? Reacha, reya. Something must have happened. Reya. 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 The word yeah. Reya. Well, yeah, uh, those are created because things happen. Something must have happened. I'm sorry. And, and we had to be reminded. So it's that's that, that's that's well, a po- remember, that's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's why rules are made. <laughs> that's why rules are made. I think about I think about work and I'm like, what? Why, why is this here? Because somebody tried Someone to do it. Um, because especially in Deuteronomy, there are some mitzvahs that are repeated. Um, but it seems like it's a different mitzvah. Because and remember, it's it's a different category. It's it's speaking about a different individual. Um, if if it was just a repetition, well, it would repeat the same thing. It's adding something clearly uh, by the fact that it's using a different uh, title for the individual. And it's specific. It's specifying saying love the convert or love the outsider, love the foreigner. Because you yourself, it gives us a rationale for that as well. 
it doesn't give us any rationale when it says love the fellow. It doesn't say love the fellow because uh, it's a good society, good for society, or because that's, you know, maybe they'll help you in the back end or whatever. It doesn't say any reason, which is also very intriguing. Well, we can look at the text. No, no, no. I mean, like, in the beginning, though, it's the everything books. was made by God. So I thought yeah. that was why you... Pull out the books. Uh, uh, because they are in the image of God, so therefore yeah, you should love them because they are in the image of God. Well, maybe. I'm saying that might be the reason. It doesn't say it, it, doesn't say it over here. I, it I, like I quote. Rashi Ready? It doesn't, in, in the Rashi's commentary... Uh, let's... We have... We have... Losita, losita. Don't take revenge and don't bear a grudge. Espanei Amecha. Um, members of your people, the ahafta leracha kamocha, you should love your fellow as yourself. Ani Hashem, I am, I am Hashem. Um, it doesn't say uh, in Rashi. It doesn't say. Uh, it doesn't say in Rashi that that's the reason. Uh, image of God, and what does image of God even mean? I see you have a lot of books that may answer that question. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, anyway, go ahead. So, uh, so, so there doesn't give a reason. It gives a reason why we should love the convert. It doesn't give us a reason why we should love so every fellow. it's a trick question. No, it wasn't a trick question. I'm just pointing out that it seems like there's multiple mitzvahs. So we, what, don't, we don't know why he says the third one. Well, I'm asking the question. I'm, I, I have an answer. I'm, have I'm an trying answer. to present the question. To, so why does he it's, say it's a, question? Huh? So what's the question? So well, this, the question again. The question is like this. Like this. If a convert is included in Leviticus chapter, uh, chapter 19... Love your fellow as yourself. Why do we need to repeat it again? Uh, why do we need to have an additional mitzvah in uh, Deuteronomy? Love the convert. Um, you already have to love the convert because he's included in love your fellow. That was the question. And then I add an additional question. Why in Deuteronomy, when we say love the fellow, we explain why you should love the fellow? Lo- I'm sorry. When, it was, when I say love the convert, we say why you should love the convert. Love the convert because you yourself, because you yourself you were a convert or a foreigner. Um, as opposed to in Leviticus, where it says love your fellow, it doesn't say love your fellow because, it just says love your fellow, don't ask so, questions. <laughs> so the convert, the fellow is when we go, possibly, I don't know the reason, but could be possibly that they're going to another land and that they're going to be people there and they evidently end up making a, a, a covenant anyway uh, with a near nation and they should know, but they didn't, they'll be throwing their side. But anyway, so they have to love their fellow, right? And they're going to be uh, servants in their home. And those servants in their home, love them as yourself, don't mistreat them, in other words, right? Mm-hmm. That, that could be the reason for the fellow. But the, the convert is that when they came out of Egypt, they brought, they brought some with them, some Egyptians with them, okay. who decided to convert and wanted to follow you know, Hashem instead of the, the, the Egyptians. Therefore. And they're saying, hey, look, don't get mad. They want to convert. You don't let them and love them. Okay, so, so that, I, feel, I, feel, I, think, I think that's, that's probably the simplest answer, is that yes, there is a greater likelihood that you will not love someone who's a little different, he's a different background, he didn't grow up Jewish, he doesn't understand Yiddish words, right? So there's a likelihood, a tendency that you may have to maybe not love this person as much, and therefore, specifically the person that there's a likelihood that you may not love as much, that the Torah uh, reminds you again, you better love the convert, and it gives you also a reason as well. That's probably the simplest answer. Okay, maybe. I have another answer that I'll try to uh, introduce and see if you guys agree. Okay. Really? <laughs> we, Let's go. We simply forget. <laughs> no, the first one, I mean, doesn't include any justification. So it's an unconditional kind of love that you have to have for everybody. Yeah, so that's that's very inclusive. That includes everyone and no, 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 not based upon a reason. It's not just inclusive, it's unconditional, right? Mm-hmm. It's not because or it's something. It's one of that kind of thing that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. 
just part of the deal. Just is what it is. Okay, so then. Okay, so. Let's see the real answer. It's a definition of the law different. Well, the word's the same. I like what you're thinking. Yeah. Um. So um. So that. So those are the uh the preliminary questions, but here is the main question. Okay. We started off by saying that God, when God's giving us a commandment, He obviously expects us to do it. We say God's pretty reasonable. God, if God, if He, if if God created us, then God obviously knows our nature. Obviously, uh, how could God command us to have? How how could God command us to have an emotion? Every other myth of the Torah. We'll put a mezuzah on your door. You got a mezuzah, right? Write a Torah scroll. You just write the Torah scroll. It's an action, right? Eat matzah, make matzah, and eat it. Observe the Shabbat. Like these are actions that we do and don't do, right? They're repeatable. It's possible to achieve it. There's a formula to doing it. Have an emotion. Well, what if I don't like the guy? What if you don't like the guy or girl? How could the Torah? How could the Torah? reasonably give us a, a mitzvah, a commandment to love everyone. It doesn't say uh, love uh, um, just the people that you kind of get along with. It doesn't say that. It says love everyone. Uh, and how much do I love them? Okay, I love them. I won't, I won't beat them up. You know? Ask yourself, whoa, I got to love everyone. I got to love them as myself. Clearly, I got to love a lot of people a lot. <laughs> We're in trouble because if you are a human... There's some people that get on your nerves, and that's okay. And we're commanded to love them, right? But you don't get along with everyone. Maybe you do, but do you love everyone? You get along with everyone. You could be acquaintances, but you got to love them. Love is a very heavy word. We're talking about an intense, seemingly, uh, maybe, maybe this point's debatable, but a, an emotional uh, feeling towards people, towards everyone. I have to, I'm required to love all of you. Well, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult, but I mean, everyone, right? Everyone. Everyone you meet, you have to love them. You have to have positive feelings towards them. Where's the formula? What am I supposed to do? It, it has to be formulaic. There has to be some method. How could the Torah just say, oh, three mitzvahs. Whoa! What do I do? What do I go about to love them? And then, you look at Rashi. What did Rashi say? Ze klal gadol Batorai quotes Rabbi Akiva as saying, This is a major principle of the Torah. So the there's something very fundamental. Huh? The rest is commentary. And that, and that, <laughs> yes, no, you're right. Uh, this that, is important than everything else. Well, that's what, what I quoted in Rashi is, is Rabbi Akiva. What you quoted is Hillel. Hillel in. Anyone knows he cited Rabbi Akiva. Yeah. Well, no, he, came, he preceded Rabbi Akiva by 200 years, uh, oh. even more. Shabbat Lamed Bet. Very good. Well, Shabbat Lamed Aleph. But. Uh, no, it's Lamed Aleph and Aleph. But that's fantastic. How do you know that? It's in there somewhere. No, don't argue with me. It's Lamed Aleph. <laughs> that's right. He's pretty good at remembering uh, books and chapters. It's Shabbat Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph. It means a story. Uh, it's a sto- Go on. Uh, it, bring, it brings a story of a... So the guy comes to Shammai, Hillel's sparring yeah. me, and says to him, teach me all of Torah on one leg. He says, get out of here. What are you doing? Don't stop wasting my time. He goes to Hillel. He says, teach me all of Torah on one leg. So he says to him, which is Aramaic, for that that you hate, don't do, don't do to your fellow. He says, this is the Torah. The rest is commentary. And 
that's a, a clear uh, reference to our verse in, in Leviticus, love your fellows yourself. Um, it's not exactly, and the commentator is kind of trying to ask, why didn't he just tell him, love your fellows yourself? That's it. Everything else is commentary. He kind of presents it, that that you hate, don't do it to someone else. He presents it from the negative. Um, so that's a question that, that's asked. But that's uh, another example where we see that this idea of having positive emotions towards everyone that you meet is something central, crucial, pivotal, uh, uh, vital, and essential to Judaism, right? It's, it's, it's everything. It's the core of the Nelson commentary. Uh, this is a cloud of the major principle of Torah, says Rabbi Akiva. There's something very important about that. And it doesn't seem like there's any... Am I right or am I wrong, Ben? I'm still... The yeah, vil- the, you already. The the vilification was a lot louder than, than the vindication. Well, I still not. <laughs> I can't find it. No, it's not there. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, so, the letters of anyway. If that, if that is uh, to be an observant Jew, Whoa, yeah. if you have to love everyone, yeah. then uh, there aren't many observant Jews left in this world. Well, if you, or all Jews are full of self-hatred. So what, you start... You love everyone um, else like you love yourself. I, 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 I'm saying... <laughs> I, I, like I, I hate who I am, so therefore I hate you. <laughs> you jerk. So first of all, you are right. Um, and second of all I was thinking earlier when you said well why do we need to love the convert if you love everyone because the same thing um, it says um, earlier love everyone like you love yourself but what if you don't really love yourself you still need to love the different the convert maybe that's that's very interesting you brought the big bomb the last question yeah I think that's that's well so love has no. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, so this. So this is. This, so this is. This is. I think the point that we have to. We have to address. Maybe when the Torah says you should love everyone, it doesn't mean you should have this emotional feeling. It means you should that act. Means. That's what you. That's that's a natural. Like, you should act in a way of love, like a way like loving people Actually. do that. It means be nice to them, like be loving to them, even though you don't have that emotion. And many times that emotion actually comes from rational thought. I mean, if you focus on the negative of a person. You are most likely not love, but if you only focus on the good of a person, then you are more uh, inclined to love that person. So if you focus your rational thought into the good things of that person, then you will be more inclined. Ooh. Yeah, so, uh, um, your name is what's your Moshe name? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> Diego. Diego. I thought so because I was on the phone. Um, Jacob Wolby. Check me out on, on the internet. Um, so I, I believe, thank you. Um, so I believe you're a thousand percent right, and I have evidence to prove it. Uh, what Diego outlined is um, what I believe to be true, and I have evidence to prove it. Um, what he outlined is a method that's repeatable that we could do with everyone that we encounter. And just like there's a method to make matzah and to how to chew it and how to, you know, and there's a way to get a lulav and a etrog and shake it in a sukkah. These are things that we could do and you, you could, you, you know, it's infallible. You just make a sukkah, you sit in the sukkah, and you fulfill the mitzvah. There's a method, uh, an infallible method that we could do. It's repeatable to love everyone. You outlined it and I'll prove it. And in fact, 
Um, and uh, oh, but back to our previous point that that to, to I'm sorry if we're just going a little nonlinearly here. Um, so maybe uh, maybe uh, maybe when uh, we say that someone has to love, it just means you have to act with, uh, t- towards them with love. Uh, that cannot be true uh, because when we say you should love everyone like yourself, if the Torah, if the Torah wanted us to act towards everyone with love, even though we don't have that emotion, right? Torah's basically saying, hey, listen, you got to hold your nose tight and love them, despite the fact that it's difficult for you. The Torah should have, should have told us, or, or the Torah shouldn't have made it absolutely clear that's not what it meant. Why? What does the Torah say? Love your fellow as yourself. Now, healthy people love themselves. And then, you know what? It's clear uh, that if someone does not love themselves, they're incapable of loving others. That's a side point here. If you don't love yourself, you need to be incapable of others because otherwise you won't have, you're not a healthy person. Healthy people love themselves and therefore they're capable of loving others. But why do you love yourself? Healthy persons love themselves. Why do you love themselves? Is it, is it because uh, uh, it's a mitzvah to love myself? Uh, I want to fulfill a mitzvah. The Almighty instructed me to love myself. Uh, is that why you love yourself? No, it's not. What is the mitzvah of loving yourself? No, there is a mitzvah of loving yourself. That's my point. <laughs> People love the health, people love themselves because... You only see the good in yourself. Survival. You can't see the bad in yourself. yourself uh, is, it so, is, you know, is it so cerebral? Or even little kids. I have a, uh, a, a son who's 14 months old, and I, I assure you he loves himself. <laughs> He's always trying to negotiate better terms. You know? He wants the good food. He, he's focusing on, on self-love, right? Obviously, when things are... Uh, uh, when 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 he has you know he gets ice cream he smiles and when he's upset and tired he, he cries when something you know when someone starts up with him he obviously has emotions of love for himself and that's a very good thing. We are we we naturally have love towards ourselves. When the Torah tells us love your fellow as yourself, it doesn't say love them because it's a message to love them. Oh, okay, this is a Jew, uh, uh, and the Torah says I should love everyone. Uh, therefore, I'm going to love them. No, it's just saying love them like yourself. You don't love yourself because it's a mitzvah. Love yourself just because that's, that's a normal, healthy thing. You have to make sure that you achieve that a certain emotional level with other people that you love them like you love yourself. It doesn't mean the same magnitude. Huh? The Talmud does declare in Bab Metziah 60, the Gemara that says, <laughs> your life supersedes the life of others. That's very good. Where's that? Shabbat Ayin Aleph. Is that your guess? Uh, I believe it's in Bob and CS 62. 62? I believe, 62A. Uh, but I, I might, it might be Yuma 62A. It's for sure 62A. Uh, but the Talmud there says two people are walking and they each and they each have, there's a canister of water. I'm walking, we're in, canister, we're, we're in the desert, there's one canister of water. Um, if we share the water, we're both going to die. Uh, if I drink the water, you have to take it yourself. Yourself. Why? Because your life supersedes others. But if we say I have to love everyone as much as I love myself, well, you share. How do I supersede them? The answer is that yes, of course, you love yourself more than someone else. When the Torah is saying you should love your fellow as yourself, it doesn't say as much as yourself. It says as yourself. It means in the same quality. Just like your love to yourself is not based upon a certain requirement to do so. There's no mitzvah that says you should love yourself. I don't instruct my kid to love yourself and that's why he loves himself. He just naturally does that. That's to be the same kind of love that I have to have to someone else. I can't say uh, uh, that when the Torah says love your fellow, it doesn't mean an emotional love, a naturally occurring love. It means just act in a way of love. 
So how? So what's the formula? So you said Diego says an answer, uh, and uh, the answer I actually heard it first uh, when I was teaching at Eish HaTorah in Israel before I moved to Houston, uh, and there the famous Rabbi Noah Weinberg, he used to always say, huh, you know, he talked like this. Also, New Yorker have a New Yorker accent, <laughs> and he would say, uh, you know what love is, huh? You know what love is? I'll tell you what love is. And he said he says he says it like a thousand times a year, like probably four or five times, uh, because he oh he loved this idea. He had a definition of love. He says I have a definition of love. This is wonderful. Uh, and his definition of love was um, the emotion, uh, the, ple- the pleasure one gets, the emotional pleasure one gets when he or she. Uh, senses or experiences the good in someone else and identifies the person with those values or those virtues. I don't know the exact wording. Basically, what he's saying is that love is when you see the good in someone else and you identify that person with the, with those with those virtues, then you'll love them. And if you don't see the negative in someone else, well, then you won't love them. So, tying this into like this week's Parsha, what about his brothers and Joseph? How does that work out? Well... That's the, in, in example. What did what did the brothers see in Joseph? What does it say in the in the, uh, in the beginning of the parsha? Right. Right. They hated him and they couldn't think of anything good to say about him. Right. Mm-hmm. So it says it's a great example. They couldn't think of anything. There was no redeeming quality. Joseph, right? Joseph, who in, in, in Jewish literature is called Yosef Atzadik. He was the righteous. He's forever, uh, forever uh, 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 christened, if you will. Joseph, the righteous. Remarkable individual, clearly, right? As the you know, story plays out. This is a remarkable individual. His brothers can't find anything good about him. It's a great example. How could you not find something good about him? The point is, if, if their focus was isolated on just seeking out the negative, well, that's all they'll see. And to them, Joseph will look like this villain, that there's nothing good about him, and then they'll hate him. It's a great example. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but I, uh, when I heard this definition of love, I was perplexed and flummoxed, because good that... Words. Good <clears throat> huh? Big good, words. Big words, yeah. Because... There doesn't seem to be. He's like, this is the Jewish Jewish definition of love. I didn't have the guts to go over to him and ask him. Was hey, um, Rabbi Weinberg, uh, definition of love. Where is the source? Like, is where, where does it say? Where does it say that this is the definition of love? Like, how do you give a Jewish definition of something, but that's unsourced? You know, especially like he, you're in yeshiva. There's so many books here. Like, is there anywhere that I can't think of any place that it says like, Shabbos Ayin Aleph or Bamitzi? Where, where does it say that, that, that this is the, the definition of love? I, mean, I could uh, fortune cookie. Fortune cookie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it sounds really nice, and I believe it's true. And I, you know, and then I found the source. I found the source, and it's incontrovertible evidence. And we'll go back to our Bible scholar here. Ben, the Hebrew sure. word for love. Huh? Sure, I got the book open. The Hebrew word for love is... No. Huh? Ochel means to eat. Ohev. Ohev, very good. Ahava, the word ohev. Where is the first time in the Torah that the word ahava or any variant of it, like he loved or she loved or they loved or it, it loved, where does that first appear in the Torah? Here? <laughs> right there. In the middle. Before that. Before that. <laughs> in Genesis. 
got to be in Genesis. That's a great place. Yes, before Vayeshev. Before Vayeshev. Everybody who fits in the garden. It's the first. It's in the. Was it Adam? Adam. It's called the animal or names the animals. No. He loves the animals and. I want to say. Oh, when he so yeah. When he he loves his son. Yes, he loves Yaakov. Okay. Okay. For Yaakov, for Yitzchak, have Yaakov. Vayehav Yitzchak et Esav kitzayid befiv. That's the verse so in Torah. Even before that, oh, you know, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. Let's see. One one. No, two one. Two one. Yes, two one. one. It's so early. It's not even this book. Uh, it would be in Chayes. It would be in uh, in Vayera. 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 So early, it's not even found. You're right. You're right. You are right. Okay, so I'm wrong. Asher Hafta. So it's, that's right, that's right. Asher Hafta. Oh, gosh. Asher Hafta, you're absolutely right. Okay, so where's the second time? Okay, okay, the time that... Uh, very good, thank you. I stand corrected. I stand corrected, he's right. The one place that shows up before the intended place. I see, I found it already. It says by the binding of Isaac. It says, "Kach has been chas yichid chas asher ahavta yichid chak valeu valeu lo la al chad rima shamar lekav hashem avraham b'boker vayichvosh et chamaro vayikach hashem rov tov." Vayvakatz vayvakatz olah. He also knows it. Okay, okay. So now uh, the second time, at least uh, maybe there's another place. I don't know. We better quickly say it before you find another place. Um, is you're never going to come up again, are you? <laughs> He's like, forget um, it. Yeah. I'm done. These things. Isaac marries Rebecca. It says as he took Rivka, Rebecca, and she was for him for a wife. They married. And he loved her. And he was consoled after his mother. So we have a verse that talks about the marriage, wonderful, so uh, romantic. They got married, and they brought it to the town, and they loved her. Now there's, there's, there's a problem. Uh, there's a few problems in this verse. Um, problem number one is that we're talking about this budding romance of Isaac and Rebecca. And we're giving the description of their marriage and of their love for each other. And we mention Isaac's mother, not once, but twice. This is like the uh, ever-invasive mother-in-law, right? You have... It's very Jewish, sorry. It's very Jewish, right? The invasive mother-in-law. So it's, it's talking about Isaac marrying Rebecca. Sarah's been dead since the beginning of the Parsha. And now we're invoking Sarah multiple times in the verse talking about Rebecca and Isaac's marriage. It's like as if she's staring down upon them from heaven. Or, it's bizarre. He brings her, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Isaac brings Rebecca to his mother's tent. He marries her and she is to him for a wife. He loves her. And then he has, uh, he's comforted or he has consolation over his mother. He's very, probably very upset when his mother died fairly recently. And now he has comfort. Now, now, he, now he has a wife, I guess. 
very bizarre, very strange, very odd. So the commentators, uh, namely Rashi, explains to why explains to us why. Um, that's the dog, right? Yeah. He's dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> that's very convenient if you have Yosef here and the dog is dreaming. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. Uh, you can interpret the dream? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Rashi tells us that uh, Sarah, remarkable woman, right? Sarah was a woman of great character, a woman who, together with Abraham, introduced developed an idea called monotheism and introduced that and basically made a massive movement of this idea against tremendous headwinds. Um, it seems uh, from the commentary, uh, from, the, from, from the sources, that uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, made a tremendous upheaval in, in the theological uh, uh, standing of their neighborhood and of their, of their country, really. I mean, these were powerhouse individuals, Abraham and Sarah. They changed the world. I, I, I once made the argument, and I stand by it, that Abraham was the most revolutionary uh, reformer in history. He did more to change the trajectory or the direction of the world. I mean, the world that we have today, it's a world where everyone you talk to has, or almost everyone you talk to has some, some semblance, either they personally believe or they understand the idea of, of, of one God. Abraham emerges in a world where paganism is all that there is. And he, and the idea of an invisible God, of one invisible God, who doesn't have any parts, not, you know, and not bound by time, like this idea changed the world. And he did, he did not do it alone. It just Maimonides, if you want to look at, he gives a very nice, Matt Tarn Maimonides, uh, he gives a very nice description of how they did it. But they, 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 they made tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands, of people and they and they changed their world, and that was Abraham and Sarah. So Sarah's a remarkable woman. In fact, the Talmud says in multiple places, and the Torah itself says that uh, Abraham deferred to his wife Sarah uh, on many occasions. Right? Sarah says, "Get rid of Ishmael." So God, so Moses goes to the uh, Moses. Abraham goes to the Almighty and says, uh, "What do I do? Uh, my wife wants to expel my son uh, from a different woman." Uh, so he says, Call Masha Tomar Alecha Sarah say everything that Sarah says to you do. That was it. She superseded Abraham in level of prophecy. Right? This is a remarkable woman. And this uh, uh, this woman, it was manifest in, in, in miracles that happened on an ongoing basis. And uh, the three miracles are number one, uh, over her tent, there was always this cloud um, that is a representation of the Shekhinah. Number two, there was a blessing in her in her dough. When she would make challah for Shabbat, she would make a little bit of challah and there would be like a thousand loaves. Miracle. And the last miracle uh, that Rashi tells us that happened with Sarah was that the candles lasted from week to week. She would light Shabbat candles and she would light them on Friday and they wouldn't go out. They wouldn't extinguish till the following Friday. Miracle. And what happened? Sarah died. Or what happened to the miracles? They ceased as well. And now Isaac takes Rebecca into Sarah's tent. What happened? Miracles. The miracles returned. He let her fly. The miracles returned. That's why we're talking so much about Sarah. And what happens at the end? He was consoled because he realizes the character of his wife is the character or rivals or is on the same level as Sarah. And what does it tell us? It tells us that he loved her. 
what it's telling us is this exact, exact point. He brought her into Sarah's tent. She was able to live up to... He, she had the character and the qualities of someone like Sarah. And he loved her. In his eyes. Well, it doesn't say in his eyes. Right, but that's what that's the conversation is. Well, we I, have to be able to look at people and yeah, so the see po- and, and appreciate the good in them. So what it indicates is, is that it says she was like Sarah and he loved her. What the Torah is telling us, perhaps, is that this is this this key that's going to unlock this uh, problem for us. I would tell you multiple times in the Torah, you have to love your fellow, you have to love um, God, you have to love the converts, because you yourself were a foreigner in foreign land. Where is the direction? Perhaps the direction is here. Go back to the second time that I said the word <laughs> in the Torah, and there I also uh, outline the methodologies and the approach and the, the tactics that you would use. Isaac loved her. We know that he loved her because the Torah tells us, the Torah testifies that Isaac loved her. What did the Torah directly say directly before that? He brought her into the tent of Sarah. Why does it need to tell us this over here? He brought her into the tent of Sarah. How is this relevant to the, to the core content of this verse? It doesn't seem to be. But we're illuminated when we realize is that, that those two things are linked. The reason why he became to love her is because he brought her into Sarah's tent. And she was able, and she demonstrated her quality, her qualities, and her character. So, That's so why he loved he, her. He would not have loved her if the miracles hadn't returned. Well, um, I don't know. That's a hypothetical. Um, maybe we could ask Isaac next time he comes to visit us, or next time we could. I have no idea. All I know is what the Torah does say. Um, uh, could we infer Actually, from this that he would not love her? But, but does I don't he know. Say that he he loves her. Because Once the miracles returned, or he loved her and... Well, it says, uh, well, I'll read the words here. I'll translate them word for word. And he brought her, Isaac, which means the way the, Torah, the, way the Hebrew is written, Isaac brought her uh, to the tent of Sarah, his mother, and he took, he took Rebecca, which means he married her, but to heal the Isha, she became uh, to him for, uh, as a wife, and he loved her, and he was consoled after uh, Sarah. So he married her first. Maybe okay. So maybe maybe she didn't light candles before she got married. I, I don't know. I, I mean, so, yes. Yeah, so it seems like there's a um, there's, either way. There's no causal relationship. Well, um, I I um, I believe that there is. Maybe we should go back to the first one. What's that? Well, you're talking about the second. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about some very nice thing that it's hard said to Rebecca. I love you because you you look like my mom. Um, That's what every woman wants to hear. Yeah, right? <laughs> we all have um, our mothers, right? Yes. <laughs> but I also think that there's a difference. Um, so this uh, this doctrine that we're that uh, Diego uh, here um, uh, is presenting, um, I believe that it's true for all relationships, including parental parents to children relationship. Um, but remember, the first time we said love was. Um, uh, Abraham loving Isaac. Is that right? Abraham was a parent. And parents naturally love their kids, even if the kids have absolutely no redeeming qualities. And I know my kids uh, were absolute brats when they were born. Why? Because they're totally... The most selfish people I've ever met were my kids when they were young. Why? Because that's, that's what babies are. Babies are super selfish. Uh, if I am tired or if I am hungry in the middle of the night, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to scream on top of my lungs until I get fed. How selfish is that? Very, very, very selfish indeed. Right? Kids are born as 
brats, yet parents love them. Brats. Right? So I believe that um, perhaps the love of a parent is a little bit less. It means, uh, I, I think that the, the Almighty did that. The Almighty instilled a capacity um, or a tendency for parents to automatically love their kids because otherwise the kids would die of starvation because they don't have... means you don't, you don't establish love with your kids the same way you would establish with a foreigner. You love them from the onset even if there's really nothing to love because that's what the Almighty so, does. So, so, so Abraham Rebecca, loving Isaac is not a love that developed are necessarily. Are you considering Rebecca a foreigner because she was outside his family? Uh, uh, maybe, but she was someone that he had to learn to love her because he's not, he, wasn't her fa- he wasn't her father, obviously. Um, as opposed to the love of, of Abraham to Isaac, I believe that could have been more biological. So to you is anybody outside? Yeah, I mean, someone you, you're introduced. Opinion. Yes, yes. Um, so what I wanted to point out is that perhaps this is the source um, when uh, that the, w- this idea that I believe to be true and Rabbi Weinberg touted as the definition of love, perhaps that is sourced over here. And like we said um, um, pr- uh, prior to that, it's um, also uh, in our parsha that um, you know Isaac. Isaac demonst- demonstrating to us, hey, I loved Rebecca. Why did I love Rebecca? Because I saw her qualities. Well, you want to love you, someone else? Do you? Uh... This is a question. You, yeah. Rebecca has the same qualities as Sarah? Um, we don't know, but we do know is I mean, that... We, in his eyes. Oh, I mean, from some uh, so readings... They have these similar qualities. Well, some of the readings <coughs> that we see... Well, it, it Rebecca's old, from a Laban, right? That's, a Laban. that's her brother. Yeah, and he's wicked. And well, we'll where did Sarah like, come from, exactly? I know. Well, huh? Where did Sarah come from? She was from the wrong side of the tracks. Well, she, 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 she everyone was from the wrong. Abraham himself was from the wrong side of the tracks. There were no tracks. Um, what's interesting is that uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of them married first cousins. You guys know that? What? Yeah, that's right. Because that was his. Abraham married Sarah. Was Abraham's first cousin? Yeah. Right. Uh, Abraham's dad was a fellow by the name of Nachar, and he had a brother named Haran. Whose, whose daughter was Yiska, and and who's really Sarah, but she's called Yiska because she's Suka Beruach Hakodesh, because Oshakal Saka Miyafia. The Talmud gives us two reasons why she was called Yiska, either because she was uh, the words, uh, um, uh, everyone um, delighted in her beauty. She was really, really uh, uh, a, real, a real stunner. Uh, or, she, uh, she, of course, she, or she was like enveloped in prophecy. She was just. Either way, he married his first cousin uh, Isaac um, as well. Um, Isaac married. Well, did he marry his first cousin? Well, Rebecca is. Laban's. Yes, uh, Laban's. No, no, Rebecca is Laban's. Betuel's daughter. But how's Betuel related? He's related. <laughs> I, 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 maybe he maybe it was his first, his cousin once removed. I think so. Betuel was the son of who was his, who, yeah. Betuel was the son of. I don't remember exactly. We can look at the verses. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you exactly. Sorry. Uh, she. Um, yes. Yes, yes, they were first cousins. Um, this is uh, 2424. She was the daughter of Besuel, the son of Milka, who was the daughter of Nahor. So she was a first cousin once removed. Thank you. So the first cousin once removed, and, and um, Jacob married also his first cousin. Um, 
But either way, a, a, a love of uh, someone to someone else has to be developed. And it seems like what I the the, the description of, of Isaac's love for Rebecca um, would uh, very much fall in line with what Diego uh, was saying that um, if you choose to focus, uh, everyone is a collection of positive and negative character. I have a great story. I was in uh, my wife's from Canada, um, and. So we were there. Is as positives? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> except Argentinians, too, I mean. Yeah. We, 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 we except Canada, you know. So, well, she's dual citizenship, so. Um, so we were in Canada uh, for uh, the summer. Was it the summer or, um, I don't know, it was, it was Pesach. Uh, it was the summer. It was the summer. And I was there, uh, we was there I was diving in shul on Shabbat, and I brought my kids with me to shul. Um, a, because I think it's a good experience them to have, and B, because otherwise they'll tear the house apart. Um, so my kid's very rambunctious. I love when they're running around, whatever, fine. Uh, and then for like about... Uh, uh, rambunctious? Rambunctious? Yeah, you haven't seen my kid. Oh, you haven't seen his... Yeah. No. I would do circles. No, <laughs> okay, Take three I'll accept that. <laughs> so... Um, so they're running around, and then um, for about one minute, he came and sat next to me, like in you know, in the it was like pew style, in pew. So he's sitting next to me, and there's a lot of kids in the in, in the shul, and there's a kid in front of him, and the kid uh, has a like a big, like a comic, not really a comic strip, but like a comic, but like lots of pictures. So my kid's standing right next to me, and uh, and he's looking at at the at the book and the kid like directly in front of us, so sitting on the table. So he's standing, so he's right there. And then, so he's looking for maybe six seconds, and the girl notices that that there's a little boy about her age, five, six, whatever, uh, who's looking at the pictures behind, you know, behind her. Uh, so I, it was very interesting. She takes the book, so she's like this, and she pivots to the side so he can't see it. And then she's <laughs> and then she's looking at the pictures, and then she looks up to make sure that he <coughs> he can't see. And he had already ran away, and he whatever. And I I as an observant Jew, I noticed it. Uh, and um, observant, that's a joke. No one gets it? Yeah. Okay. Observe, <laughs> I can observe. Uh, so, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> ah. uh, so, uh, <laughs> as a joke. Um, so I noticed that, and it, to me it was very interesting, like, um, you know, we believe that everyone is born with a certain amount of positive and a certain amount of negative character. You have to I, teach the kids, no. And and that and that's and we if anyone who has anyone who has multiple kids, you'll know that no two kids are different. They have different collection qualities. So every human is really this basket of positive and negative. Hence, when the Torah tells us to love everyone, what it's telling us is that everyone is capable of being loved because there's something good about everyone that if you are to focus on, then you love them. And similarly, there's a way for someone to dislove or hate every person because if you just focus on the negative, well, everyone has a certain measure of, of, of negative character as well, and therefore you'll end up lo- you, you'll end up hating them. So really, it's a decision, it's a habit that if we develop, when the Torah is telling us you should love your fellow as yourself, what it's telling us, you have to develop this habit of seeking out the good in someone else. Because once you do that, every person you meet, you say, hey, this guy has this quality, and this guy has that quality, and this girl has that quality, right? And everyone has something admirable that you could learn, that you could, um, uh, that you could respect, 
and that you could um, use if you identify that person with those qualities as something that would make you love them. Actually, this reminds me of this, what the Revish Newsom said about what would be the, 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 the other side. side of it. Yeah. <clears throat> if you have something to criticize about the other, right? And this is again, love your, your neighbors as yourself. <coughs> First, criticize yourself. Sit down and criticize all your defects so loud so that the other person can hear you. Then they will change. So even if you, I mean, in order to criticize another, first look at your your own, mm -hmm. and then when you improve, people will improve. So that's kind also of the other side. Also, it says when you see something wrong with someone else, it's because you yourself have something. See, that's the you guys are you guys yeah. are like um, all experts in, in that's the bullshit in the mirror, right? That's the that's the one thing that I know. I'm I'm very ignorant in matters of chassidut, um, but that's the one thing that I know. Um, how do I know it? Because my grandfather wrote it in one of his books. Um, I don't know. Did the write books? I'm sure he did write books. I don't know. I never heard, never read. It. I don't think he did actually. Um, so he he described everything as being a mirror. That whatever whatever uh, character flaws you see in other people, that's a reflection of what you yourself need to work on. It's kind of like this uh, internal flashlight that's able to um, uh, to you know to open up a window within yourself and your collection of char of characteristics and see exactly what it is that you need to work on. But either way. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so we say, um, Ezeu Chacham. Who is the wise person? Halomed Mikol Adam. Who learn from everybody. The idea being is that because the, we're each uh, individual creations of the Almighty, we each have this little stamp. We're different, right? We're unique. The, t the Talmud implores us to say that the world created for me. I'm different. I'm special. I'm, I'm unique. I'm an individual. Um... Therefore, there's something about every person that I encounter that is has that they have some sort of benefit that I don't. Right? We're each a mitzvah back, and the wise person, who's the person that achieves perfection, that's someone who learns from everyone because their attitude is okay. This person has something that I can learn from, and I can improve myself. And when I assemble all the qualities of all the people I know, and I try to integrate that in my, into my character, then I become the perfect person because. I, I, I learned to address every one of my shortcomings and to acquire all the positive uh, qualities of all the people I encounter. And, uh, and by doing that, not only will I love most people, because I'm, I'm, I'm learning they're remarkable. This, this person's patient. This person doesn't get angry. This person is, is very kind and very nice. This person is very intelligent. Right? Everyone has something that they could teach. Right? Everyone has something that they're better than you at. Something. And you'll love them and you'll be able to learn from them. Uh, and um, and I think that's that's a formula. And I also think that when we talk about how um, or the uh, the mechanics uh, of how we go about acquiring love, the flip side of that, conversely, the uh, the way relationships break down is also in this area. Uh, when when two people who are in a relationship of love and they seize seeing the good in someone else and they just see the bad. Well, then the love is going to uh, is going to stop as well because that's the cause of the love. The love is caused uh, is uh, has a foundation. The foundation is that they have this uh, recognition of the, of each other's positive qualities. But if I dwell and I spend time and I uh, and, and I contemplate and I ponder the negative of someone else, well, that that love will erode as well. 
So that's remarkable. It's, if they couldn't find anything positive but, about but, it. But you said something, right? We learn how to love somebody, the expressional part. Fast forward, then they learn how to love yourself when they meet in Egypt. In Egypt. Uh, right? Finally, they meet them and then they realize that they love him. And they go hard. And they could not speak to him peaceably. Yeah. <laughs> they learn how to love him, what to find good about him. Yeah. Um, we have a um, <laughs> thank you my stomach's full you know what I love you yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to I don't know if there's a time table here or I, I could probably speak for another 16 hours on the subject okay keep going so, okay. you do a simple kind of thing yeah we we'll do it till tomorrow um, uh, so you have a drive right now that's fine let's say one more quick point um, and that is that when you look at the verse that says you should love the convert, it says you love the convert because you yourself were a convert in another land. I think what it's telling us is perhaps not merely another mitzvah, but when we said it's a mitzvah, but it also gives us a reason. Perhaps that reason is also another method that we could use. One method we could use to love someone is to say how what the qualities are, Another method is, is empathy. It's to feel what they're going through. And to ask yourself, try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and say, okay, this person is a newcomer. He's an outsider. He feels out of place. He means he or she. Um, uh, so they feel out of place. I felt that before. I was once the outsider. I was once the, you know, I was the only guy who I never met anyone, and I, I walked into the room. I didn't know where I didn't, you know I didn't know where things were and what the protocol was and what page to turn in the in the book or right. Everyone has had that experience in their lives. If you want to love the convert, you have to dig into your own personal uh, repertoire or, or uh, a collection of experiences and try to figure out what that person is going through. And if you try to see the world through their vision, through their lens, through their insight, trying to imagine yourself in their shoes, and you, you empathize with them. You say, oh, this person going through something that's really bad. I myself once went through that as well. That is another method that you would use. There's so many other words that could be... No, no. So, I, no, I, so that, that's why if, if we roll back to table here, then it's a, I said it's not merely... Yes, I believe that there is another mitzvah. There's a special mitzvah in the Torah. I believe that when Maimonides has the book of mitzvahs when he, and he enumerates the 613 mitzvahs because the Talmud tells us that there's 613 mitzvahs. Right? That's established. But it doesn't actually count them out for us. And that's why you have a book like Maimonides and Maimonides is the great organizer or perhaps the greatest organizer um, whose feats are so vast and remarkable um, he said, I'm going to go about and organize them. So he c- counts all of them. And he has a book called a book of mitzvahs. He goes to mitzvah one, mitzvah two, mitzvah three, and he gives you the verse. And he has his 613. Exactly. Right, 248 positive and 365 negative. But if you look at Ramban, Nachmanides, and those names sound similar, but they're different people who lived like a hundred years apart from each other. Uh, they, he he has his rebuttals, and he has a whole different list of six hundred, and this different list of six of six, They're all six hundred thirteen, and they all agree what mitzvahs are mitzvahs. The question is, what are the six hundred thirteen categories? Because, like uh, uh, a common example uh, or a, a classic example would be is the mitzvah of prayer. Every day a mitzvah or not? Is it a mitzvah every day? Is it a mitzvah only during the time of uh, of, uh, of of danger, 
point of the Ramban. It's a mitzvah, uh, the, the mitzvah of... Yeah, you have to run or you have to pray. No, no, no. Oh, if you're in danger, there's a mitzvah to, to pray. What? Yeah. It's a mitzvah from the Torah to pray when, when, you're, when you're in need of divine uh, help. Um, but, so, um, so when the Ramam does enumerate the mitzvahs, I do believe that there's a separate mitzvah for loving the converts. So I believe that, yes, there is... I'm sorry? I thought that was um, from Ramban that he was saying the prayer, his morning prayers, and people interpret that as saying a prayer when you're going to die. Who says when you're going to die? Oh, you mean when you're in danger? Yeah. Oh, Ramban or Rambam? I don't remember where it is. He, he was I saying his morning prayer. He happened to be saying his morning prayers when he was going to... Uh, <coughs> when he was going to? When he was going to... So the morning prayer is Yosef. Yosef? Who is the morning? Yosef? Abraham, Abraham. 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 That's right. Um, uh, either way, my, my point my point is is that, yes, there's a separate mitzvah to love the convert. There's a mitzvah to love every fellow and the mitzvah to love the convert. But I think the addendum to the mitzvah for your converts, it's not... I think we could perhaps deduce from that that it's not just a reason for it because if it was just a reason if the Torah needs to give reasons then let it give reasons for the first time Leviticus where it told us to love our fellow there doesn't tell us the reason I think perhaps uh, perhaps we could say um, that it's not merely a reason rather it's also giving us a method and that be a method of empathy that if then why from a rabbinic standpoint do the Orthodox and the Hasidic Jews consider converts equals who, who says that's true? Means uh, I, I I challenge your assumption. Go to New York. Yeah, I, I don't think no, it's true. I'm saying I think his assumption is correct. Go to New York. They they don't accept converts very easily, and when they do, whoa whoa accept converts. Yeah, accept them as converts. The question is how you convert. No, Means no. they make it difficult to convert no, no, because even that's when, even when they're converts. Well, like this. Um, there is one community in New York, and it's not the Hasidic community. It's a different community which will remain unnamed. Uh, but there's one community. It's a, it's a surprising because it's not a very. Um, it's not Shalom Cypress North, is it? <laughs> South. I, don't, I don't know. South. Uh, but there is one community in New York that they expressly um, uh, mis not mistreat, but they they don't, they don't allow converts into their community. And in fact, if someone were to marry a convert, they would be uh, excommunicated from the community. Okay, and so the reason, okay, 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 but, okay, okay. <laughs> but I'm saying uh, uh, the reason why they did that was because there were a lot of members of that community, and it's not a community that you would imagine to be that. It's not. It's not a very observant community at all. Uh, and the reason why they did that was to uh, uh, to prevent, a lot of people wanted to immigrate to the United States and they would marry non-Jews and convert them in order to gain uh, to gain a legal status back in the 30s. Uh, so therefore they said, if, if your wife is a convert, right, you have no place in our community. But it was done as a preventative measure to make sure that people wouldn't just convert the first non-Jew they met um, just in order to get to marry them to get papers. 
but that's an isolated incident. It's a tiny community. No, but generally speaking, it's a tiny community. We see now, a lot of discrimination of kids in schools and like. Yeah. So remember, and, um, so I, who's I, you know an example of that? You know an example of that? I'm saying I I, I, I challenge the assumption. I, I don't know that to be true. Now, if it was true, um, then I'm not going to try to justify it because we don't justify and we don't defend the indefensible, right? It's true. And if someone if someone tra- if someone encroaches on the mitzvah of loving a convert, they're encroaching on a mitzvah just like like any other mitzvah. So, so Rabbi, I'm just curious. Yes. So in your travels and your dealings, my travels. You know, yeah. Wandering Jews. You're wandering. Yes. You're wandering. Yeah. But seriously, you you don't see communities treat uh, converts. Different Listen, I know in Israel there's a lot of. Israelis. Uh, that's correct. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of discrimination against Sephardic Jews. Uh, they are not challenged to be non-Jews. That's true. That's true. Um, huh? No, no, I'm not. No. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I do I do I think My that that's that that's right? No. Does any do I think that anyone and there is that. So if you want to read up about that, that's a much it's a much bigger issue. But where is there uh, where is there um, tradition against commerce? I don't I don't know I where that is. Where do you see it? I saw it when I was living in New York a lot. Where? In Brooklyn, what they do? What do you do? They 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 <coughs> ostracize you. Like my uncle converted. Who is this? Who uh, who ostracize you? The the Jewish community. Why there? would they ostracize someone who converts? So it's bizarre. Converted? I've never seen he that. Converted. Yeah, thank you. What? I've never seen that even in Manhattan. He converted. He's People, a black cat. They they come to you and they welcome and in you. Their community, but that's considered the kind of the Hasidists don't. Yeah, they, well, that's not well, a no, because they why, why would they? Uh, I don't know the reasons why. And how does it manifest? Maybe it's in his head. Uh, how does it's it not in his oh, so how does it manifest? How does it manifest? I, I, I'm not I mean, trying to. I, I'm just curious. I'm not here defending people that are doing that are doing things that are, well, like I, I don't I don't I don't ha- I don't feel like I have any affiliation with any like to me I um I I'm I'm appalled if there was a wholesale discrimination against 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 converts. I know for a fact that converts. Um, have a hard time converting. I have when I was in Israel, there was this one guy who was so genuine and so dedicated, and um, he was he was real. Like, and he, they gave him such problems. Said, come back in a year, and he went to yeshiva and he was studying, but he's not Jewish. So he would, you know, and the, the Talmud says that if someone's not Jewish, they cannot observe Shabbat. So he had a problem. Like, what do we do? So he would smoke a cigarette every Shabbat, like in like in quietly when no one was watching. It was you know, it took him four years to convert. That I know. That exists, giving a hard time for people to convert. But once they're converted, and they get, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Mm. And I, everyone seems to assume that this is a given. I don't know. I, don't, I maybe, maybe it is a given. I'm not from, not aware of that. You know, if it is, so, so that's a mistake. So why we need to defend that? We don't need to defend that. No, I'm just curious because, like, for my, this yeah, short of uh, exposure to it, I see quite the opposite. Okay. I see more, more non-accepting than accepting. And and I, if you see that, then that's terrible, and that's encroaching on a mitzvah. And I say this mitzvah: if there's a mitzvah in the Torah, it's a mitzvah from the Almighty, and the Almighty is telling us not to discriminate or in fact love them. And there's a you know, um, it's it's very bizarre. Um, but do you have any examples, any tangible examples, or yeah, or whatever? I'm saying we're we're, we're making we're making a, a claim against a lot of people, a generalization. Okay, whatever. Either way. So yes, there's no, there's no, there's, 
there's no justification for it. And if someone says, hey, why are there uh, – I once saw in the New York Post that there was a, uh, an Orthodox guy, and he was, com- he was uh, convicted or, or indicted on embezzlement. Uh, how could it be that someone could uh, masquerade as an observant Jew and be so sanctimonious? And, right, that's, and you know what? If someone committed a crime, well, then they're not acting the way the Torah, the Torah outlines for us. I don't care what they look like and how thick their beard is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, we have uh, we have a Torah. That's what we use. That's our instruction book from the Almighty. If someone does against that, why should we defend that? I don't understand. We're not defending that. There's no defending the indefensible. Now, um, like I said, there was this one community had policies that they that they developed a long, long time ago. And I have a friend. Probably the name of the community is a different thing. It's a Syrian community in uh, uh, in, in 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 New York. So, no, no, well, no, in New York, the Syrian community in New York. They're they're very they're very they're very close, right? Um, but I have a friend whose mother converted. This my friend, his mother converted, and he said it's the family was ostracized. They were pariahified in the community because converts are not allowed and no matter how legitimate and I don't know what they're I'm saying they have a justification like I said they have a justification and there's a reason why and I'm not going to uh, question that decision because it seems it makes a lot of sense if that was a real problem but I don't know of any other policy against converts and I, and if there is then I'm saying it's 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 a mix of the Torah you have to go to the Talmud So there's no justification. We're not going to defend them. If if, if it's this, but I I, I don't I don't, I'm saying it's a uh, generalization, and I'm not I'm not familiar with anything besides what I said here. Why is it such a good question? Why don't we? Why is the such a page one of the patriarchs? Um, uh, that's a very good question. And uh, but what's interesting about it is that Joseph or Yosef is on someone on a higher level than his than his brothers, right? Nizirachab is called the the uh, the distinct one of his brothers, and he's the one who's kids. Whose kids are tribes. I mean, he's basically a level up from the tribes because his progeny was different from the tribes, as opposed to all the other members of, of, his, of his family, all of the brothers. They themselves were tribes. They were at the level of a tribe, and, uh, and Joseph and their kids were not. But Joseph, he was on a higher level that his kids were at their level, the level. Um, 
It's a very good question. We don't say Elo Yosef. It seems like um, it seems like like Joseph. Yeah, Joseph was Joseph was a somewhat of a bridge. He was like a somewhere between the level of uh, of of a patriarch, but not quite, uh, but on a higher level than the uh, than the than the tribes, and that's why he has he's two tribes. He's able to, uh, but but. Um, what uh, distinguishes the patriarchs is they're called Markavkevich. The Shekhinah, the Talmud says, there, there's a certain level of, I guess, familiarity that they had with God that, that no one else had. And that's why the Talmud says no one else, even Moses, we can't say that Moses, Elohim, Elohim, Moshe. It's probably due to the fact that we know Moses is the greatest man that ever lived. Um, he was the only man, the greatest man that ever lived, yet on, I, it's probably due to the fact that they were the originators of the idea that is Judaism, the idea that is monotheism. Um, I suppose Moses was kind of born into it, even though he superseded them in his greatness and his prophecy is unrivaled by anyone else. There's no greater, no greater man that ever lived, and his prophecy out, out, uh, 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 it was much greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Still, with regards to the idea of being the founder, so to speak, of, of our religion, it's only those three. Page, but I don't know what page it's on. So, so, so maybe useful. That, maybe I narrow it down to about 1,300 pages. Oh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> but once we get the page, I'll tell you where it is. Would that be possibly be a reason why? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Very possible. interesting. Yes. Okay, guys. Um, thank you so much for welcoming welcome me here. Uh, it was a total pleasure. And uh, I'd love to come back. I get invited back. Yeah. Would Kurt be engaged in that? Huh? Fantastic. My best group. Ben's encouraged to come back. <laughs> <laughs>